You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Monday, April 18th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to give our reaction to the Thor Love and Thunder trailer and we're going to discuss this weekend's box office and what that means for the Fantastic Beasts franchise. This is Slash Home Editorial Director Peter Soretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home News Writer and Box Office Expert Ryan Scott. Happy Monday, everyone. How's it going? Uh, it, it was a good weekend. Uh, the, the, the big question, was it a good weekend at the box office, Ryan? What a good looking question, Peter. Um, <laughs> you know, it was good in the sense that like, there were two movies that brought out a decent chunk of people to theaters. So like for movie theaters, that's nice. If you're Warner Brothers right now, there is a good chance you're panicking. <laughs> but yeah, so it's well, kind of... Why would you say that, Ryan? The Batman went over $750 million globally at the box office. That's reason for Warner Brothers to celebrate. Yeah, I guess, I guess maybe, okay, we want to focus on the positive real quick first. Yeah, the <laughs> Batman did, it is now sitting at $751 million worldwide, did another $3.8 this weekend. It's officially on HBO Max as of today, so domestic numbers are, you know, you're probably going to see bigger drops, uh, but international. So it's still, I still think it could finish its run closer to $800 million, which would be great for a three-hour, you know, dark superhero movie. Still no sequel announcement yet, but Discovery, so for those that don't know, the Discovery merger with warner brothers closed recently 
and they have announced they have a big presentation next month. My guess is any big announcements are being saved for that so they can make a gigantic splash. And I kind of suspect they might announce two sequels at once. So, you know, those wondering where the sequel announcement is, look there. But what we probably aren't going to see is a sequel announcement for Fantastic Beasts. Um, yeah, big, big kind of disastrous start for Secrets of Dumbledore, the third entry in this franchise. Okay, so building up to this, why don't we talk about the Fantastic Beasts franchise uh, in terms of box office? I'm not sure if you have those numbers in front of you. Oh, Peter, would I be any good at my job if I didn't? <laughs> um, so let's just let's just you know take you back to 2011 for literally a decade straight. Warner Brothers cashing fat checks at the box office. Uh, Starting off with uh, Sorcerer's Stone, $90 million opening, nine sixty five worldwide finish. Lead up to Deathly Hallows Part 2, $169 million start to a $1.3 billion finish. Over $8 billion box office, just phenomenal run. So then you look at, in 2013, they cut a deal with J.K. Rowling to, to turn her in-universe textbook, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, into a five-movie franchise. Now, what's interesting about this is you weren't going to have any of the main characters involved, especially in this first entry. It's going to be Newt Scamander. Uh, so, cut to November of 2016. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them comes out. $180 million budget, opens to $74 million domestic, finishes with $811 worldwide and $234 domestic. That's really great. Like, if you're looking at a spinoff with none of the Harry Potter characters, you know, in it, Harry Potter not even in the name... As far as like a spinoff series goes, that's that's an excellent start. I mean, um, that was good enough for them to raise the budget from 180 to 200 million on the sequel, right? Yeah. Again, one thing I talked about um, a bit recently in a piece I wrote is that I really think that keeping these budgets a little lower would have been helpful because this yes. was this wasn't Harry Potter branding. And even if you look at like Harry Potter and the Half Blood. Prince, for some reason, its budget ballooned to $250 million. But all the other ones, you know, 125, 130, 150, 125, you know, they're, they're in like a much, now granted inflation comes into account at some point, but, but, you know, yeah, the, the, the budget, the, the crimes of Grindelwald budget, I, I, I definitely snub my nose out a little bit at the 200 number, but problem once you get to crimes of Grindelwald, reviews go down you kind of start trying to make the Harry Potter connections a little more prevalent. Your opening weekend domestic drops to 62. Your domestic finish goes down to 159 and you get down to 651 worldwide. So what you see here is that there was a much, there was, this was always a much bigger international domestic split. You know, like the Batman's around 50, 50, for example, between international and domestic, you know, Harry, these, these Harry Potter spinoffs, you're looking at, you know, about 25, 75. Yeah. So e e even with the first Fantastic Beasts, even with the first, but but again, that's fine if you're under if the understanding is this is a global franchise. Now, so so Secrets of Dumbledore, they were going to try to rein in the budget. I have a little bit of sympathy here in that COVID protocols drive up your budget, so they managed to not go further than two hundred, but it was still a two hundred million dollar budget. Cut to opening weekend this weekend opens to forty three million domestic. So that's about 20 million less than the about last 20 movie. million less. So by far the lowest opening weekend for any Harry Potter movie. 
the in, lowest in, in about 32 million from the first too yeah so this is i mean like a steep drop now the reviews were a little better for this one but you had the Ezra Miller stuff. You had J.K. Rowling's controversial comments dating back to 2019. You had the Johnny Depp thing. You had bad reviews from Crimes of Gunderwald putting a bad taste in everyone's mouth. Half of this stuff I have sympathy for Warner Brothers for because they couldn't have done anything about it or couldn't have predicted it or didn't try to make these messes. Another half of it I don't have as much sympathy for them for. Whatever the case, you're now sitting at, after a soft international opening last week and rolling out more this week it's at 193.4 million worldwide as of right now so again a gigantic you know portion of that's coming from international but it is pacing well behind crimes of grindelwald so you know that 651 number wasn't really what you want because the thing is like 651 on a 200 million dollar budget is good but this is Harry Potter. This is the anchor franchise for Warner Brothers, especially after that Discovery merger. This is absolutely needed to anchor Warner Brothers theatrically. And I mean, in my in my view, the Fantastic Beast franchise is dead in the water now. You can't continue after this. So, you know, it's it's bad. It's 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 really bad in terms of you look at like one of the marquee franchises in all of cinema sort of tanking this bad so fast. Yeah, so the last movie I think maybe finished at like 2.5 times its opening weekend. Uh, if we ran that same multiple here, it would be like 107 million. Are you like Crimes of Grindelwald? So, so its legs for, for Crimes of Grindelwald was a 2.7 domestic. And for people that don't know the multiply, it's, it's a common metric used for box office people. I don't use it as much, but, but basically... You what you look at is the opening weekend and how many times it can multiply that opening weekend before it finishes its run. So Crimes of Grindelwald had a 2.57 multiplier. Um, so yeah, so let's just take that exact number if we do 43, <laughs> take on my calculator here real quick. 43 times 2.57 would only get you to 110, and that's real bad. Uh, you know, just a little over half of your production budget domestically. That's bad. So, but if that is one fourth of, like you said, the, you know, domestically we make 25% of that. So you times that by four, we're at like 450 ish. Yeah. Worldwide. Which would be for, for, for a Harry Potter movie, an outright disaster. The fact that, the fact that Eternals, let me look at this real quick. Eternals, a movie with, you know, like the worst reviews in Marvel history got you to 402 million. So if, 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 if Fantastic Beasts only finishes what, 40 million, 50 million ahead of that. Oof. Okay. So <laughs> do you think this cements, like, is this the nail in the coffin? Will Warner brothers not make any more Fantastic Beasts movies? We gotta, we gotta see, how the weeks come together. I I think even if like international audiences just still continue to way show up here. And even if this somehow gets to like 650 million, if it matches crimes of Grindelwald by some miracle, which it won't, even then I think you'd have an extremely hard time justifying a continuation. I've not seen it, but from what I understand, the ending of this one does sort of provide some sort of conclusion in some way, 
So it wouldn't be like the worst way to end it. Um, I think it would be tough to, to say that this is the, the right way to continue going. Um, especially with the merger and especially with HBO max needing to compete seems tough to tough to justify. Yeah. I also have not seen it. So I don't know how the thing ends, but I mean, it's safe to say that they didn't plan on this being the ending to this franchise. And I'm guessing there are some threads left opened, even though there's some kind of satisfying conclusion. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. I've heard like this could work as an ending, but it also does leave some things like, oh, you could explore this. I mean, um, yeah. Is this the biggest example of a franchise? Like the only thing I can think of other than this is like Divergent where. Oh, yeah, yeah. That just like that just fell off the rails where like there was a plan. Uh, although Divergent, though, like was never going to be as big as this. Yeah. Um, although that that is maybe the most spectacular example where they were trying to finish this up with a TV movie and they couldn't even get that done. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, but but Harry Potter, I mean, you're talking like in terms of global recognized franchise. If you yeah. take Marvel and DC out of it, you have Star Wars, you have God, Harry Potter's got to be the next. I mean, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, there's not that many, you know, and, and so, you know, that leads us to a good question. Is Harry Potter dead or does this just mean the Fantastic Beasts franchise is dead? Now we're going to have to pivot to something Harry Potter, more Harry Potter related. There is a lot of nuanced discussion to be had here. Uh, but uh, the basic the, the basic business of it, and people have already gotten mad at me for saying this because people just want Harry Potter to be dead because <laughs> of the J.K. Rowling of it all. And I get that. I get that. I'm not defending, you know, yeah. you know, any, but I'm saying from a business standpoint, it literally cannot die. This Discovery Warner Media merger, this billions and billions and billions of dollar merger was predicated on the idea that Warner Brothers controls the Harry Potter franchise and not just for an HBO Max thing. They're going to end up having to do that. But this is meant to be one of the theatrical anchors. They cannot abandon this now. They literally cannot afford to. So there's going to have to be a pivot. And the biggest problem there is. I've actually researched this a bit. Now, legally, I don't know exactly where it stands, but it does seem that J.K. Rowling, like Warner Brothers can't wrestle the, the theatrical rights away from her. So even though J.K. Rowling is a very complicated figure in all of this, they're essentially going to have to back up the money truck to her door to get her to sign off on some more direct Harry Potter spinoffs or something, because that's really the only way forward. So then you're she's married to this. Like there's no way to do anything wizarding world without her involvement. And she's right. Very involved. Right. Unless, unless you pull like a Lucasfilm in Disney where Warner brothers buys her out entirely, but she ain't gonna let that happen. Hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't see that happening. Okay. Let, let's avoid discussing <laughs> the JK Rowling side of things because I feel like that's a, we yeah. don't have enough time. And by the today. way, I'm not dismissing that, but I'm yeah. just saying that, like, I'm just speaking from a business perspective here. Yes. Um. It, yeah. It, it, totally, and that, that's worth pointing out. Uh, but I'm just wondering, like, you know, so you, like you said, they're gonna make more Harry Potter things. They have to. What are those things gonna be? I I tried to pitch you last week. I was talking to you off air, and I was like, I think HBO Max is going to re 
adapt the Harry Potter book series with one season being each book. And it's going to be with like new characters or I mean, new actors, I should say, obviously, uh, because you can't yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Say, uh, playing their roles. Um, and I, I think there's so much material in those books to be able to expand upon what like the movies felt rushed at, like, at least in the beginning. Um, and I, I, I think that would be a good way of, of doing things. And also, you don't need to have J.K. Rowling that involved because you're, you're just going to be like we're adapting the books that have already been written. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't need to write the script this time, J.K. Well, but again, it's up to her. Like they yeah. have to meet her terms. So I, I don't think that's off base. I think maybe that would be that. I've seen other people float that idea. Sure, maybe that happens. But again, that does not solve the problem of you must make a theatrically viable franchise out of this, you know? It, ha- it it is absolutely a must from like from a corporate standpoint because they don't have anything else you know well, you they t- have the- you turn cursed child into two film epic, right but, uh... but jk rowling has been very clear about that she wrote that as a play and it will not be a movie you know she said this so and but again that's the, okay well, fine she that, said she said a lot of things she's sure she said a lot of things but i'm <laughs> saying that like if you're run, if it runs through her, I guarantee you Warner Brothers has already been like, please, you know, they, they've been on their knees begging her, I'm sure, you know, but like, you know, but so that sure, that's a possibility. But even if you stretch it Hobbit style, that gives you two movies. You know, that's not a so my my best guess is that you sort of open up the playbook and you go. There's a whole lot of wizarding history here that we've never explored. Maybe you go and you find characters from the franchise that people know and you make spinoffs or something. I don't know. But you find a way to get Harry Potter in the title of the next movies and, and you may and you maybe make the Harry Potter cinematic universe of some kind. I don't know. But but it, it, it that that is a must. And, and there's no way around it. Okay, uh, let's let's pivot away from this and let's talk about this trailer that hit today for Thor: Love and Thunder. If you haven't seen it, I'll put the link in the show notes so you can go over to our article on Slashfilm.com and actually go watch it. Uh, I wanted to give our reactions to this trailer and then, like, let's you know do what we do and go be uh, you know let's let's talk about all the things and speculate. So if you don't want if you don't want the speculation, uh, you might want to tune out right now. But uh, Ryan, what what is your first reaction to this trailer? Uh, I, I guess my first reaction is something that should be pointed out, that this is by far the shortest amount of time between a teaser trailer, the first trailer for a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, and its release date. Uh, the previous uh, record holder was for The Incredible Hulk. Uh, it's going to be less than 90 days between uh, this and, and its release date in July. So that's kind of interesting. Why um, do you think that is? Uh, well, Eric Vespi, uh, who writes for us, uh, and is also the co-host of the King cast, um, uh, he, he made an observation on Twitter that it sort of feels like the trailer's a little haphazard and, and is desperately trying not to give things away. Um, I, I tend to believe that's right. I just did a breakdown of it for us, uh, which took some time and, and, and it, I, it does seem like they are, boy, are they trying not to, to not to let's spill some beans. Um, so I, that's my guess. Yeah. For sure. Um, okay, so your your reaction to this actual teaser trailer? Uh, I like it. Um, there's there's stuff I like about. I mean, I agree with Eric that it's pretty haphazard, but but I, there's things like the beginning opening montage, like where you get to see like 
Thor through the years and you get to like the classic comic costume. I sort of speculated that it looks like there's going to be like a buddy cop, like a, like a buddy road trip movie between like Thor and Korg, which looks fun. Um, it's very colorful. Uh, it it, kind of looks like Marvel just let Taika Waititi do whatever the hell he wanted to do, you know, (laughs) like, you know, so it, it looks wild. I, I, uh, I was not the biggest Thor fan growing up and, and the first two movies didn't do a lot for me, but Ragnarok got me on board. And so I'm very interested where this goes, but I'm more interested at what they're not showing us. It's like reading between the lines is what I'm most interested in. Yeah. It's interesting knowing what this film is supposed to do with Jane Foster becoming Thor and it being a love story. And it seems like this, this trailer is not showing any of that. I mean, they show her at the very end as kind of like the, you know, the money the, shot, yeah, the money yeah. shots. But other than that, you, you don't see Natalie Portman. It, to me, this almost looks like, uh, you know, make a Thor movie, but Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, so, but, they don't, but if you but if you piece this together, they're very clearly only going to be in the first act of the movie. Like oh, yeah. the Guardians. So like it, it, it that's where I sort of get the road trip movie from it. Like it looks like Thor and Korg are going to be traversing the galaxy. Uh, but the only other thing I guess it's really important to mention is that Thor makes it very clear, like he's no longer a superhero. He is abstaining from battle. You know, he's on like some self-discovery journey, journey which is not at all what I think any of us expected. <laughs> he's no longer the the god of um. Wait, what is it? <laughs> oh, he's normally the god, of, god thunder. of thunder. Yeah. So wait. So what is he now if he's not the god of thunder? Well, I think he's still the god of thunder, but he's not like a god of war. Ah, okay. okay. Like he, he's like, there's a, there's a really interesting shot where like he's with the guardians and they're like running into battle and he clearly stays back, you know, <laughs> like he's not, you know, he's not. So something must happen. Like, I don't know if it's just the result of Endgame or, or it, it seems like maybe something happens in the movie that he, that makes him go, I, I need to have a different path here. You know, yeah. so I'm not sure what that is. And then that obviously opens the door for, you know, Jane Foster becoming Thor and, you know, there's, there, you know, some, you, but again, anything, you got to read between the lines of all of this. Yeah. Well, I, I do want to say that um, even though my reaction is like, whoa, this is not what I was expecting. Um, I am super excited to see this film. I think we're both super excited to see it. Um, but okay, let's talk about some of the things because you had a breakdown on the site. I will link that in the show notes, but there's a couple things I want to talk about here. So you mentioned that opening shot where we see Thor running as a kid and it, he kind of transforms throughout the years. It makes sense for a trailer, but like, that's such a weird shot of like, I'm wondering like, why would that be in the movie? What shot him is like a kid and a teen. Yeah. The, it's, him transforming throughout the years. I mean, I guess eventually it's showing the transformation of Thor. I don't know. It's, it's an evolution. Be, it's an, yeah. it made sense to me. Like, again, I don't know. I, and I did a pretty detailed breakdown. So I yeah. sort of like, but I think like the idea is like, if you're looking at like Thor has been on this very specific journey of like, we see him in 2011. He's like a petulant, you know, next in line to become King you know, sort of gets his first growth moment in that movie has been on this journey with the Avengers saving the the world and, you know, becoming King of Asgard and maturing and then, you know, helping save the universe from Thanos, but then like discovering, you know, I don't want to be King. What do I want to be? And so you have, so I think the idea of showing, you know, and as you remember, Thor is like 6,000 years old. So, you know, showing him, you know, through that journey, through the years, sort of like, what led to this pivotal moment? Where did he come from? Where is he going? So I sort of see that. 
I just wonder how it's going to fit in the actual story of the movie, like that shot. It's 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 a uh, it's an interesting shot for a trailer. I'm not sure how you, you know what what place that's going to be in an actual movie. Uh, I, the other thing I wanted to mention is the choice of the song here. So they're they're using "Sweet Child of Mine" uh, yeah. by what Guns Gun and Ro- Guns and Roses. Yeah, uh, it's my least so, favorite part of it's my least favorite part of the trailer for sure. But I mean, it's a choice. Well, first of all, it's a choice that uh, feels very like, you know, awesome mix, even though I don't feel like this would be a cut on the awesome mix. Um, but if it feels very Guardians-esque, and I think it's trying to give that kind of feeling, that kind of flavor to this trailer. But w- do you think the the choice of the title says anything about this movie? Uh, yeah, like there, there's that, there's that, there's a bit in the trailer where Star-Lord is like giving some advice to, to Thor later in the trailer. He's like, you know, just remember, it's something like, just remember when you're struggling, you know, to think of the ones that you love. And then like Star-Lord is very clearly looking at the rest of the Guardians and Thor like tries to like shove his head in the frame and be (laughs) like, look at me, I need, but you got to think, Odin is dead. Loki is dead. Um, even Hela's dead, like his estranged sister. He hasn't seen valkyrie in years tessa uh, or he hasn't seen um uh, jane foster in years uh valkyrie is on earth as king of asgard who does he have you know he doesn't have anyone so he kind of needs somebody to love hey maybe you should have said it to somebody to love by queen what do i know but but uh but uh you know like i i you know i just don't like that song very much so i'm getting bitter for no reason but but I, i i but yeah so like to me it's sort of like the idea of like Obviously, like thunder relating to, you know, you know, he is the god of thunder, but I think it's more of a quest for love and some sort of peace than it is a quest, you know, of let's go fight some big fight. Oh, well, if you mention love, at one point we see this blue haired woman who seems like it could be a love interest for Thor. Yeah. Uh, who do you could think not, this is? Could not identify, even going through Twitter, usually everyone's pretty good about identifying every little damn thing um could not figure out who that was but yeah they uh, thor lays a big old kiss on whoever that is and uh you know not not sure some sort of space pirate of some kind but that's kind of an interesting wrinkle for sure yeah and not really a love interest per se but valkyrie is now in charge of uh new asgard and and she kind of looks bored yeah and also like new asgard the other thing i haven't seen a ton of people talk about a ton is like the if you look at the shot of new asgard there's like cruise ships and like it looks like it's become a tourist destination now and she's in like this boardroom and she's clearly having like an earthly sort of leadership role where she's got to deal with like politics and all this stuff and you know she's used to you know space politics let's call it you know so yeah. so this probably is very unexciting for her yeah there's a couple other things i want to talk about here um so at one point we see the skeleton but it looks like uh not like a human skeleton i think you theorized in your article that it could be like a troll or something yeah so um uh uh if you uh the the moment you're you're talking about um is sort of earlier on in in the trailer thor is trying to lose some of the weight from you know he's do, there's clearly gonna be like a bit of a training montage yes and uh and um he's he's like using these big chains uh that are attached to something to you know get in shape like you see people do with ropes and uh and he's also at that point he's got a hat on that says strongest avenger which is a nod to to ragnarok um but but if you remember in avengers infinity war 
uh, Peter Dinklage plays Itri. Itri is I forget the name, how to pronounce the character's name, but he's a troll. And if you look at the shape of that skeleton, to me, it sort of looks like maybe that's the, like that's the skeleton of of a troll of that race. Uh, that that's that's kind of my guess. Yeah. Um, it, also, you mentioned you don't think the Guardians are that much into it because I feel like when when this thing starts out, it feels like he's full on a member of the Guardians, or he's trying to be. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so I think that's maybe like the first act of the movie is him sort of with the Guardians trying to you know, find his place. And then, you know, the guardians go do their thing. And now Thor's got to go have his explorative journey with Korg. And then Gore, the God butcher comes in and messes everything up. And, you know, so I can kind of sort of see where this is kind of going. And then there's space ghosts. And then we're, or space, space Space goats, goats. Goats, Yeah. Um, You know what? We we get to see what looks to be Olympus here. Yeah. Yeah. So so if people don't know, uh, Oscar winner Russell Crowe is making his MCU debut as Zeus. Uh, Back when uh, Thor was created in Marvel Comics, it was very much taken from Norse mythology. And so a lot of that has been imbued into the comics over the years. Uh, So Zeus and Olympus do, do exist within the Marvel Universe as a realm. And it and it's not explicitly stated, but you do see Zeus. And, and if you kind of piece some shots together from the trailer, it very much looks like they're going to end up on Olympus. So uh, and and with Gore, the God Butcher being your villain, maybe doesn't bode well for a lot of people living in Olympus. Mm. Uh, OK, lastly, why do you think Jean Foster is so little into in this trailer? Do you think she do you think her role in the movie is is smaller? No, I just think that, again, they're trying to hide a lot. So you need a big wow moment at the end of that trailer and uh like this is one of those things where like most of the audience knows what's going on here so like or your smarter audience that cares does uh so it's just a way to throw in that wow moment without revealing the villain without revealing too much without explaining why she's thor yet without explaining you know what they're doing because we're gonna because we have to have at least one more trailer before this movie comes out so you've got to save some things for that if you're still if your goal is to still not reveal too much so, you know, I think then maybe you sort of pepper some of that in in the next trailer, but that's kind of why I think they're holding back. Yeah, I, I got to admit, I have not read the run where Jane Foster becomes Thor, so I, I don't really know too much about it other than what I've, you know, read writing articles online. But uh, obviously, you know, in the comics, she's like sick and her becoming Thor is kind of like, a, um, I guess, a cure for that. In, in some in ways. Sort. Yeah, so I didn't read, so I read a, a chunk of Jason Aaron's run, uh, like the Gore the God Butcher arc. Uh, that was actually one of the first Thor comics I ever read and enjoyed. Um, and uh, uh, at the end of Jason Aaron's very acclaimed run, uh, Jane Foster becomes Thor. And then there is a new series that starts called, like the I believe it's just The Mighty Thor. And it's Jane Foster, you know. So I never actually read the Jane Foster run, but I do have like the first issue of, of that run like my sister got me a copy of it when it came out just you know whatever but but uh but yeah so that yeah she has cancer and and you know she be she becomes worthy and, and becomes thor and yeah that sort of helps with the so cancer that, situation and so that's where i was kind of wondering like maybe like this whole movie she's in the hospital with cancer do you know what i mean maybe she has a smaller role than we thought 
But you think it's just they're holding back. I think they're holding back. And I, I do think they'll probably bring the cancer element into it. We haven't seen Jane for a while. So, yeah. And like, I'm wondering if that might have to do like the ether, the soul stone, like uh, when that was like in her, you know, maybe like, oh, yeah, that messed me up and I've got cancer now. And but I'm also like maybe that kind of like connected me to Asgard and maybe that helped me become worthy <laughs> to get the hammer. You know, like by the way, I, I love how the MCU does that where it takes all the stuff from the Marvel comics, but then it makes it, it streamlines it and like makes it all fit together nice and neatly. Well, there, there, there is an interesting shot from the trailer that we didn't talk about yet. That kind of does that as well. Maybe I'm speculating, but uh, th this, this, um, th this, this uh, movie is very clearly taking from Jason Aaron's run in the comics. And there's a shot of Korg and Thor staring down this gigantic beast covered in snow, this body of a beast. And that shot is ripped. When I tell you like ripped from the pages of the comics in my breakdown, I have two shots for reference. Uh, this is a Faligar, the behemoth. Uh, but, but interestingly enough, the deviants from Eternals look very much like this beast. So my suspicion is that they might sort of pepper in that this was that, Falagar the behemoth was a deviant and then that might help connect it to the universe of eternal so that'd be kind of cool oh i like that yeah um you have a lot more stuff in your trailer breakdown so i want to send people over there we have it linked in the show notes and uh, you can read more of all of our work at slashfilm.com you can find this podcast on apple google overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps please feel free to send your feedback questions comments concerns show us at peter at slashfilm.com and please rate and read this podcast and Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get everything for your next project today at Menards and save big money. Right now, all stock outlets with USB ports are on sale. Ditch the need for bulky USB adapters. Upgrade your home with features like ultra-fast charging, allowing you to charge your smart devices up to 40% faster than standard USB outlets. Also, view our weekly flyer on Menards.com and check out all the great deals happening this week. Save big money.